Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Documentary Month. Hello. <laughs> uh, we have fun around here. We have a great time. Delightful. <laughs> you know, now that I'm looking at the drapes, they do give off a very interesting mood. You know, you you don't you don't feel it the same way when I'm when you're over there, but it is different. I don't like change, you know, Nico. Do the carpets match, Nico? I can't quite see the frame. <laughs> they do not match these drapes. Uh, decidedly so. Um, yeah, I have bright orange curtains in here now. Yes. Um, really the, the changed way- the vibe. <laughs> Although does. still still feeling Halloween. I don't know. It is true. From we got the orange, orange and green going on here. Yeah. yeah. I guess orange is the new black. <laughs> Where's my uh my little my little <laughs> You you played it last show. I know you have it. I know you have the sound effect. I'm waiting for it. I think I've earned it. Where is it? Nico? Nico? <laughs> <laughs> I earned it, wow. damn it. The Fuck joke you. is it's past. I earned it. <laughs> Thank no? you. All right. All right. That's all you got. That's all you got. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um orange uh, it's the new black the new in black. here yeah got some got some orange curtains the way that my uh, office here is set up i but the computer is directly in front of the window which is not wise if you want to avoid a glare but nonetheless mm. that's how i set it up <laughs> and uh, that's where i do my youtube videos so i uh, i got these bright orange blackout curtains mm. Um, I mean, if I you want to see the curtains, you guys can probably see them in two weeks, right? I mean, yes. Ooh. Oh, yes. Good plug, to Nick. Ooh, good plug. We're gonna do a live stream of the Oscars in a couple weeks. Yes, we are on Oscar Sunday, which is March twenty seventh, on twenty twenty two, the year of our Lord. It's two weeks away from the recording of this. A week and a half from uh, the release of this episode, and uh, yeah, we're gonna be on. I guess Twitch and YouTube and maybe Facebook and stuff. YouTube at the very least, right? Yeah, YouTube's probably the safe bet, but we'll post some links in the Discord. Uh, links in the Discord, links on our social media channels, and we'll we'll. Try that's to get probably the, word the place, out. though. If you want to be alerted, you want to know when this is happening, go to the Discord, join the yes. Discord. We'll yes. post a link in there, and we'll tag everyone, and it'll be very annoying. But we're only <laughs> going to do this once. <laughs> yeah, probably a couple times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we recommend that you come in, uh, stop by, uh, chit chat with us a little bit. Here's the thing about the Oscars, right? If you're like a movie fan like us, yeah, uh, you sometimes feel an obligation to watch the Oscars, even though they're boring as shit. And every year you forget how boring as shit they are. And then you end up fucking watching them and you're like, why did I waste three and a half hours of my time sitting through this, even though I know who's going to win all the major awards? Speak for yourself, man. I don't I don't. <laughs> you're the one that watches them every year. Right. And I've been <laughs> obsessed with them for most of my life. Yes. Yeah, I don't uh, know if I've ever actually watched the Oscars all the way through. <laughs> I've definitely like flipped it on and seen like 10 seconds and then got, went, eh, fuck this. I'm going to put Dragon Ball Z back on when I was a kid. There you go. There yes. You, go. you know. So, you know, sometimes it it. It can get a little lonely watching the Oscars. So uh. watch the Oscars with us and we'll make jokes and we'll snark and we'll make fun of Will Smith or whatever. And it'll be a good time. And then we'll, you know. And I think we'll also probably next week. I don't think we're ready to do it this week, but I think next week we'll do our Razzie's picks. 
Mm. And maybe we'll announce those Razzies picks during the stream. Yeah. So normally we do them on an episode here. We'll probably cover who won Uh uh, of of the three of us. Yeah. um, On the next episode. But if you want to hear the actual Razzies picks and who actually won, uh, listen to that live stream. It's probably going to be me. But probably, yeah, as it usually is. Spoiler: It, it typically is. <laughs> Power of the Dog is winning Best Picture, and yeah. Adam is winning the Razzie. <laughs> that's about that's about right. That's I don't know if I, I want to watch the Oscars though. They have the 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 Walking Potato hosting this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> who's hosting? Because I don't know who the Walking Potato is. But well, look I up think the host. This... I think you'll narrow it down quite quickly. <laughs> okay, Oscars hosts. <laughs> It is a baffling lineup of hosts. I will say that. Uh, okay, I see Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes. What's your first guess? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Amy? <laughs> there you go. It is Amy Schumer. I'm going to Google uh, search Amy Schumer potato. Explain why they picked these three people. Oh, way. God. No. Yeah. What do they have? Have they ever even worked together before? Have they been in the same no. room together? <laughs> this is the first people. time they're speaking to each other. And they're going to host like the biggest award show of the year. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> There's a... Uh, they have one of these frames where it's 12 photos and it says potato or amy schumer and you have to guess which one is amy and which one is the potato (laughs) nick's a big amy schumer fan really yeah what are you talking about you love amy oh my god i love amy schumer you do we saw amy schumer live in concert you were there i know (sighs) i said we yeah and you fangirled all over the place you loved her we didn't we didn't. First off, okay. Let, let me let me preface this. You're a groupie. Firstly, you had a fucking Amy Schumer sign. Did you go backstage? We did not go for her. Yeah. To be very clear about that, you love it. Amy was Sch- Oddball Fest. There were like yeah. 400 comics there. Yeah. Second, the second preface I would put is that this probably preface? that year was probably the height of her career. Preface. Actually, okay. it was like 2013. She was still fairly new to being a mainstream comic. I see. Preface. Oh God. Preface. <laughs> what? Nothing. Are you you're insulting the way I I pronounce words? <laughs> I don't know. I think Amy Schumer is uh, unfunny. Not that funny, but uh, I think underrated at this point. I think no, she's like now her, she's become she too was, hated. She was okay at first, but like her jokes never evolved. That's really the biggest issue. I sure. think is that she has like one type of joke and right is i'm a train wreck yes right and literally had a movie called a movie called fucking train wreck which i like i like that movie that movie's horrible i like that movie (laughs) it's kind of i like it i think it's kind of a piece of shit i like it i will say on the record right now i think that movie is good I like, I enjoy that movie. That's one of the rare, very rare films for me that I think I shut off halfway through because I hate wow. it so much. I think it's a piece of dog shit. I think Bill Hader's really good in it. I think LeBron is bad in it, but uh, I can forgive it because Bill Hader's good. Okay. <laughs> I think, I think, I think. I like Bill Hader. I think it's a pretty good script. I don't know. Good script? I think it's a pretty good script. Ugh. Apatow? What? <laughs> <laughs> Judd Apatow is another one of those. Like, yeah, I don't know about Judd Apatow. I, you, no, like I like some Judd Apatow yeah, movies, but early there's Judd some. Apatow, yeah. 
even even if you if you read the synopsis for all of his films, they would all sound like different films. But honestly, right. it's all mm. the same movie. There's a good point right there. And I don't know why. I cannot pinpoint exactly what it is about his humor, but they're mm. all the same movie. Well, what he does now basically is if you're a young, like up and coming comic, and I guess at the yeah, time it was Amy movie. Schumer, now it's Pete Davidson, he'll sit down with them and he'll be like, tell me your life story. Mm. And I'm just going to, you know, tell that story again. And it's, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of an interesting model. I think it's kind of cool that like <laughs> the model there's like a uh, like a like a uh, the 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 the, uh, the comic biopic czar like decides whose story we're gonna tell next. I think it's like an interesting series. They all kind of fit well, together I mean, the, in a cool the, way. At least he's still making comedies, yeah. if you want to call them that. Com- I mean, no, 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 no. The the the, the, mo- the dramas, model the model is, dramas, the yeah. model is let's make a comedy, but get this, let's make it not funny, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kind of liked funny people. Funny people's good. Okay. Funny people's good. But it was also the Knocked first time he good. was doing that, so it was kind of new and fresh. And it's like, ooh, like an edgy comedy, a comedy, you know, where it's like it's more serious than we were initially going to give it credit for. It's a right. real movie. And yeah. Like, Forty Old Virgin's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's well, actually hilarious. Good movies, so Knocked Up is still my favorite of his. Movies. Knocked Up's <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. You got shrooms to go see Cirque du Soleil. Yep. No, you didn't. Oh, that's Not, the question stuff. is with those two movies, like Knocked Up and uh, Forty Year Old Virgin, like how much were the actors carrying that as well? Because they had a lot. Casting. Like <laughs> the the answer is a lot. Did you all see This Is Forty? No. Did you? I did not. Yeah. The seek this you know spinoff sequel. Yeah, that didn't look so great. I don't know, man. I don't know about that guy. And I actually liked King of Staten Island. I enjoyed it. Bill Burr's great in it. <sighs> Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. I like that doc. Anyway, uh, yeah, who else is hosting this fucking thing? Uh, Amy Schumer and uh, Regina Sykes. Hall and Wanda Sykes. What's like Wanda, Wanda Sykes, Sykes been up to? Oh, I guess hosting the Oscars, <laughs> just, yeah, just yelling at people. <laughs> I like Wanda Sykes a lot. I think she's very funny. I love yeah. Wanda Sykes. Uh, I, I I am excited to watch her yell at people as they win their awards. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> 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 she is can it's Nicole Kidman <laughs> I love her I love yeah, her she's great the uh, Oscars are a death trap though can these three get cancelled before they actually make it to the show oh, that's, that's a good point that's, are they cancelable I are I, any of them important enough to <laughs> I don't even like know who Regina Hall is like I don't, I don't know Regina <laughs> Exactly. It's a good point. How do you cancel Regina Hall? I guess you don't. I guess you don't. I actually don't know who she is. I'm actually looking her up now. She looks familiar. I've seen her. Regina, you don't. I'm gonna... Yeah. I I don't know. I went. I don't think the Venn diagram of Nick Evangelista has ever crossed with the Venn diagram of Regina Hall. Yeah. It's kind of like canceling uh... like Joe Pantoliano, though. It's like, it's, <laughs> does anybody fucking? Was he canceled? No. That's <laughs> what I mean. I was gonna say. Wait. How do you cancel Joey Pants? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> oh, she was in Mal's Boozmas Wanted. Yeah, she's in scary a scary movie. Stuff. She's in the great MacGruber. MacGruber! Okay, okay. Yeah, Best I've seen her a couple times. Yeah, yeah, you definitely know who she is. And uh and who and yeah, okay. So yeah, that'll, that'll anyway. If you're lonely on Oscar night, 
And for some reason, you feel the need to watch that godforsaken show. Come to the live stream and we'll make jokes and we'll <laughs> insert occasional commentary. By the time the Oscars air, I will have seen every single motion picture nominated for every single category. So I will at least be able to provide some sort of analysis from category <laughs> yeah. to category while uh, you guys make jokes about uh, yeah. George and Amal Clooney. I, I I will I will not be doing that amount of homework. I did yeah. I did enough movie homework for. 2020. But you've seen all the Best Picture nominees. Oh right? yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I've seen those. But so I'll try to watch a few of them. Out. But the year uh, was it 2019? Parasite came out. Yes, that was my best year by far of seeing mm-hmm. Oscar movies. I had seen like six of them or something, and that was a wonderful. Yeah, and that, that was, was also best, like that yeah. was one of the best years for movies ever. That was like the Great. best Oscar years uh, in the last fifteen in that decade by a mile. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try to watch a few. I'll try to catch up. <laughs> I, just, I just pictured Nico though, like every Oscars, it's just a lonely charade for him. Like <laughs> that was a really <laughs> shitty winner, guys. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Steve is lays holding a martini. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Redmayne for the theory of everything. Movie's <laughs> uh, okay. Kind of a sluggish performance, am I right? Jesus. <laughs> Michael Keaton was robbed. I do that every. I do. You're 100 percent right. I just scream at myself. Am I right, guys? Am I right, guys? So, so now in the next two weeks, I have, to, I have to watch all these Best Picture nominees and somehow fit Batman into that equation, too. Oh, God, that's right. God. Oh, uh, yeah, Batman rules. I'm going to be watching movies yeah, nonstop for the next mm. two weeks. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk documentaries. We have sort Ugh. of stumbled into a theme uh, this documentary month, which are uh, documentaries about movie making. Documentaries about movies. Uh, we started with the Amazing Jonathan documentary, which is kind of this meta commentary on how documentaries work. There is another documentary featured in that documentary. Uh, then last week we did uh, uh, You Don't Know Me, which is about showgirls. And it's sort of like a, a, a postmortem uh, analysis of like the actual textual reading of the film. Uh, you know, it's kind of just like a long sort of video essay. And this week we are doing a behind the scenes documentary <laughs> uh, called Burden of Dreams about the making of Fitzcarraldo. And uh, once again, boys, it features the king of documentary month, <laughs> Werner Herzog. Hell yeah. I don't know why I keep letting you do this. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Nick is Nick seems to be more uh, against Werner than for him at this point. I just he <laughs> he frustrates the you shit know, out of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of bored to tears. Really, by the guy. Oh, I mean, wow. Grizzly Man was his peak for sure. Okay, that was peak. It's great movie. It is great, great movie. But in this one, I mean, I don't know. Bad maybe Lieutenant it's just young Werner doesn't have the same. Doesn't have the same what. <laughs> Raw charisma. How dare you? Ooh. How dare you? Young Werner's a fucking snack, by yeah, the way, dude. Yeah. Young Werner's hot. Yeah. Young Werner with the fucking mustache. Yeah. That fucking tattoo about? of an elephant on his arm. Was it an elephant or a skull or something? I don't remember what it was. Shirtless throughout this film. No, this is the era of Werner where he loses a bet, boils his shoe, and eats it. Sexy ass motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How dare you, Nick? fucking Werner dude my I my it's dad wild though how much he sounds movie. exactly the same <laughs> he does he does he same doesn't. cadence yep same, same like 
ideas. Bullshit. Same exact ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Although the big difference here is the Spanish. No idea that he was a fluent uh, Spanish-speaking gentleman. He may not be anymore. May, no, maybe not. <laughs> you, you think he learned Spanish in like two weeks? It wouldn't surprise me for the making no, of the movie. he probably learned <laughs> Spanish for the film. For the movie. And then when he moved on, he forgot Spanish. <laughs> I didn't need it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what is he German though? Yes. Yes, yes. Fluency in the language is the equivalent of like building a rig to get this boat to the top of a cliff and then just oh, that was a lot of work for nothing. Let's yeah. just take it down. But he would have a gr- a great justification for it. It's like only cowards wouldn't learn Spanish for my movie. My movie. Werner <laughs> Nick Arguably the most fearless director of all time. Well, or the most sociopathic. The man is crazy. He's out of his mind, yes. Okay, Burn of Dreams. It's about Fitzcarraldo. You've seen Fitzcarraldo, yeah, right? Yeah, I love Fitzcarraldo. I, I, okay, so, you know, like, remember Larry King? Remember mm. that show? Yes. <laughs> remember, how, remember, you remember that King? guy? <laughs> you remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> remember, like, when, like, on Larry King, like, uh, an author would come on or like a celebrity would like, you know, be promoting their memoir and Larry would like say, you know, uh, Rob Lowe, I didn't read your didn't book. Read didn't read it. Not because I didn't want to, but because I want to remain objective for the audience. Uh. Yeah. And really, he was just full of shit. He's like, no, you're fucking lazy. and You want to play like a quick nine round nine holes of golf. You know, yeah. you didn't want to read fucking Rob Lowe's book before the show tonight. So like he would I mean, lie. Most of those books are fucking bullshit anyways. And they're written right. by ghostwriters. So I don't blame him. But that was like his whole <laughs> skill. His skill set was the ability to like, you know, approach every interviewee without any prior knowledge about who the person is. Mm. Right. That was like his thing. His ignorance was his skill. Uh, that's what I did for today's show. I was gonna watch Fitzcarraldo, but then I thought if I watch Fitzcarraldo, that might color my yeah, you know interpretation of Bird and Dreams. Of- and I don't want this to be a podcast about Fitzcarraldo. I want it to be a podcast about the film Burden of Dreams as its own movie. That's not really why mm. you didn't watch Fitzcarraldo. No, I didn't watch it because I was fucking lazy yes. and I went out last night. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. much like Larry well, King, I need to in your defense, we did ah, we did all lose an hour. <laughs> we did, yeah. And we lost an hour last night. So too. Fitzcarraldo, by the way, is a total jam. I highly recommend watching it. It's this like lively, energetic, wonderful adventure of a movie that's really kind of sad, and it's got a sort of a bittersweet end. And it's again kind of like you you, wa- you will watch the movie and be like, "What the fuck are they doing? Mm. Why are they doing this? This is stupid." But it's a it's a great time, and Klaus Kinski is this you know madman yes it's a wonderful guy to watch and you know it's funny like if you're a big nicholas cage fan as we are you start to be like ah right there is there's there is i see what you're doing he's here. so expressive mm, oh yeah this guy yeah so he's a, he 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 real now klaus kinski's probably even crazier than Werner, mm-hmm. uh but he's actually quite the captivating uh performer i i, I must say uh, particularly in Fitzcarraldo. yeah yeah. And there's a number of behind the scenes stories that weren't featured in this no, which I was surprised documentary. by. The way. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that like makes this look quaint, that makes the stuff in Burden of Dreams look quaint. Like evidently Klaus Kinski was so irritating on the set of the movie that one of the tribesmen mm-hmm. uh that Werner had recruited for the movie earnestly offered to kill Klaus Kinski <laughs> for Werner. <laughs> 
At which point, <laughs> Werner begrudgingly said no. I need no. him for the rest yeah, of the shoot, I, I unfortunately. <laughs> but this was the fourth time they had worked together. I know. And, he, and, and Werner ended up making a documentary about Klaus Kinski several years later called My Best Friend. Yeah. What I find so fascinating about Werner is the fact that he spends just as much time making like documentaries and just filming things behind the scenes as he does. Yes. Like actually making movies. It's pretty amazing foresight, though, to have another camera guy just filming everything, you know, mm-hmm. to have an actual documentarian on the set. Um, we were talking about that, too, with Bonfire of the Vanities, like uh, when uh, the, the author of The Devil's Candy, uh, you know, was offered by De Palma to come on the set and just watch what was going on she didn't know it was going to be a bomb she didn't know it was going to be like this spectacular case study and you know why hollywood filmmaking is about to completely implode um but you just have to get lucky you have to be like in the room now i do think when Werner herzog says we're going to the amazon and we're going to pull a 30 ton ship over a cliff Uh, yeah, I you have film a that. feeling. Yeah, you got a feeling. Like, eh, maybe <laughs> I want to see what's going on here. But it didn't become that really until what, like, much later in the production. After like, um, um, what was the what, like Mick Jagger and who was the other guy? Oh, Jason Robards. Jason Robards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Until they had finally like like parted ways. So this was sort of during the um, second. I guess you. <laughs> I guess you could call it the second half of production when it's really just the reshooting of the entire fucking movie. Yeah, they shot most of the movie <laughs> when Jason Robards got dysentery and couldn't continue, and then Mick Jagger had to like do a concert tour or something with the Stones. <laughs> I was unaware of this that literally <laughs> Werner had to essentially reshoot the whole movie. Had to reshoot the whole movie, and he was like, "We cannot replace Mick Jagger. How do you replace Mick but Jagger?" You can- you can absolutely replace Mick Jagger. So we just got we got rid of that it's, character entirely. It's Mick Jagger. It's just how do you replace Mick Jagger with Sting? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, wild. Uh, there was a point where he essentially was about to get all of his funding pulled, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, he had to reshoot the entire movie, and it, he was in the Amazon and. Tribe tribal people were trying to kill them. <laughs> and, uh, there was a dispute about tribal land. Yep, they like they built like a village, like a like a, a hut for production of the movie, and apparently it was on some other tribe's land. So the other tribe began attacking them with arrows, and like one of the people in the tribe got impaled through the neck. Another woman got shot in the butt. Yeah, when he goes, oh, here are the arrows that they use to kill the tribe men or whatever. These arrows are, the arrowheads are the size of my head. And the shaft is the the size of my torso. (laughs) They are literally enormous. The feathers are two of my hands. Like, (laughs) you would use these things to kill fucking dragons or something. They're they're used to kill Godzilla. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, that's what they shot the dragon in Game of Thrones with. Oh god, no lie, <laughs> the fucking arrow looked like an oar. Like you could row a mm. boat with this thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was. Could. Werner was like fucking unreal. I'm going to give this to my son. He'll be excited that it went through a man. <laughs> it had blood on it. Still, it even has some it blood, on, blood it. on it. My son will be very excited. 
the sky is. <laughs> they got attacked by another tribe, and they're like, oh, we should probably tread lightly here. <laughs> and so this is still in the first half of the film here when this I happens. Know. He also mentions that uh, another tribe was spreading rumors about him and his crew saying that yes. they had gone in and, like, kidnapped women and, like, did horrible things and they, they were they, killing they, people they're going to steal your face they're going to use their their grease their for their for american airplanes well they also got word <laughs> that like, I, what? They, they must have got word that um um verner's german so they used that against him and they started showing everybody pictures of the holocaust and yeah, this is and what claiming. verner did <laughs> right <laughs> literally is, literally taking the holocaust and saying verner did this which is insane right Oh God! Uh, Poor Werner. Poor Werner. <laughs> Can't catch a break. This guy. Okay, so you know the Werner is no no incident or uh, innocent man. He is. <laughs> no. <laughs> he no. did some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah, I'll give you that. He did some fucked up shit. People died. People died during the production of this movie. Now there is an argument to be made that if there weren't doctors there, like maybe more of these tribes, men and women, would have died. Werner didn't kill anybody. No. Almost killed quite a few. Almost killed a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> Some people died in a plane crash. Yeah. Uh because again they were like landing these these rickety ass planes in the middle of the swamp mm-hmm. uh there were some people that died of diseases although again like because there were doctors there a lot of people's lives were saved because of diseases uh one of the uh the natives i guess uh used one of the canoes and drowned uh a lot of crazy shit going on the side of this thing um oh some guy got bit by a fucking venomous snake in mm. the foot yeah. and cut his own foot off using a chainsaw he was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to let the venom spread. So he got a chainsaw and he cut it off like right away. And Werner, years later, was like, it was a smart decision. He lived. <laughs> I love Werner so much. What in the fuck? I love this guy so much. He's so crazy. How, how do you sanitize a chainsaw before you cut your you own don't. Yeah, that's, no. the, that's the answer. No, you know what you do? You dip it in that saliva alcohol. And oh then, my oh, my, okay. Could you imagine eating that shit? I would have loved to have been sitting there with you watching that movie. Just the the way the way that moment is edited, where she just these women just are just unloads, chewing on like, yucca and they just vo- vomits this like the enormous amount of spit and then immediately cuts as if it's like nothing happened. Yeah. I, I was I literally jumped back in my seat like what the fuck did she just do? <laughs> yeah, I think I've actually heard of this separately from this movie. Really, it's like. Yeah, because it's like an alcohol product, but it's like, I think it's almost, I could be wrong, but I think it's like almost like a hallucinogenic, like how strong yeah. and potent it is. Is that and right? And they let, like the kids drink it and everybody, like everybody drinks <sighs> it. It's probably safer than a lot of the water that they yeah. would have to drink because I, it's I fermented and, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's like really, str- it's, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be really strong alcohol, I think. Uh, maybe, huh. I, I, I might want to try that actually, now that you mention it. I don't know about that. Now that you mention it. But it. Anyway, though, I mean, we're, we're, we're we are t- literally any substance on the planet that will get Adam high. He's interested in. I'll give it. <laughs> I don't think it'll top the grapes, but I'll do it for science. <laughs> I don't think it'll top the grapes at all, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll experiment. It'll be fun. We'll do it for the Oscar show. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what they'll think when you descend on their native village in the Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, now, if Adam I was shows in the movie, up, what kind of propaganda is getting spread about you? I, I want I want to 
get Werner so curious that he turns the camera on me. What do I have to do to get Werner to <laughs> to do that? Dude, Werner's a fucking nut job, dude. But this is the thing. We're talking about this as if it's about the making of Fitzcarraldo. And this movie really is not about the making of Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> it is not like your standard uh behind the scenes special feature on a DVD version of a movie. I was actually I mean I was prepared for it to be, you know, very Werner focused. I was not prepared for it to be basically the Werner movie. Yes. That's what this is. It's more of a documentary on working with Werner Herzog. It's a biography of yes. Werner Herzog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Which I could not tell you a single plot point in the movie Fitzcarraldo based on watching this. I don't you know. Can, well, you know a ship was pulled over a fucking hill. I picked hill. up a couple yeah. things. So like the guy's like a rubber merchant, rubber baron. Is yes. a rubber baron and, and an opera baron. obsessed rubber baron who loves opera and he wants to build an opera house in the middle of the Amazon. But that dream fails because you can't build a fucking opera house in the middle of the Amazonian jungle. Right. Because it's a stupid idea and there are snakes and jaguars and <laughs> spiders. It's a dumb idea. But the guy is very the obsessed. The opera with- was ruined by a jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> like the horror. <laughs> They're in the middle of singing a song and a fucking jaguar just mauls around just stage. It's, like, like, <laughs> it's part of the show. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, so that so yeah, he's so he like wants to build a fucking opera house, but they're I guess at one point in the film in the middle of a river that doesn't connect to another river, so they have to haul the fucking boat over the cliff. Well, the 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 the, the guy has this dream of doing it and he just hasn't been able to accomplish it for those reasons that I that I just I just listed for you. Um so he gets into the rubber business as a way of building up enough money to finally to make this happen he right. wants to bring i forgot the the opera singer's name but he wants to bring this gentleman to the amazon uh-huh. uh <laughs> <laughs> to vegas why the amazon Just, can, can he let him play the luxor first and then we'll the, worry about the amazon i guess the feeling is that like the amazon is just like hell on earth so it's like only the opera can save it or something like that oh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that in the uh, the opening title card, it's like this is the land that God forgot to yeah, finish. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> forgot to. <laughs> Which, like, the second you say he that, said, he said God made this land in a fit of anger. Right? <laughs> the, must have been the only line in the movie that was written by Werner. He's like, "This is my contribution no, to the." Werner document. heard someone say that at a cocktail party, yeah. and he perked up like the fucking dog and up every time he hears squirrel. <laughs> He's like, "Excuse me, I, land that God forgot to finish." May you have, say, "May have purchased that line." from you <laughs> Bruce get the cameras rolling film this right now I want you I want you to have this this is a $10 bill I'm going to use that line I want you to have this <laughs> I want you to have very sincere I need you to have this <laughs> I want you to spend it on something special oh uh, can we play the clip yes alright here we go this is Werner Herzog this is like sort of the the marquee scene oh, in Burden of Dreams. Uh, it's Burner. not the most iconic. The most iconic is definitely um, overwhelming collective murder. <laughs> it definitely is. Because I see that in other movies, probably. It happened in uh, uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah. They quote that a lot. Yeah. But this is uh this is the first one. This is Werner just Vernering right yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, talking about when you know production has sort of gone south towards the end. Uh, well, he talks about his frustrations. Sure. Herzog is stranded in the jungle with a 300-ton steamship that won't Pause move, really and time is running out. He needs money. What, Nick? I, I, 
I also just want to mention, I love that they hired a narrator yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. like, Werner is now trapped in the Amazon jungle. <laughs> it's like, why, why do we need a narrator for this? He could tell us. Uh, here we go. Sorry. It's funny to move the ship, but no one will invest unless the ship moves first. Behind his back, some of the actors are talking about getting out while the getting is good. <laughs> Only a few of the cast, crew, and Indians believe in his dream anymore. Even Herzog is beginning to wonder. Which is a fucking bulldozer that he bought on the cheap. <laughs> of course we are challenging nature itself, and it hits back. It just hits back, that's all, and that's grandiose about it, and we have to, to accept that it is much stronger than we are. Kinski always says it's full of erotic elements. I don't see it so much erotic, I see it more full of obscenity. It's just, and nature here is vile and base. I wouldn't see anything erotical here. I would see fornication and asphyxiation and choking. Close and up on the phallic Fighting for survival and growing and just rotting away. Of course, there's a lot of misery, but it is the same misery that is all around us. The trees here are in misery and <laughs> yeah, the birds one. are in misery. I don't think they, they sing, they just screech in pain. <laughs> yes, Werner. Yes. You know, that might be the first time I've ever heard somebody describe, like, nature in such a hateful way. <laughs> no, it, so much of that is sincere, though. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. Like, that, that to me is the distinction because there's a lot of, like, you could dream up a guy like Werner. But you would never meet a guy like Vernon. No. Yeah, but he has like these overwritten monologues just floating around his head all the time. Yeah. And he's 100% sincere. He thinks in poetry like that. Especially when you look at his face. Like he is mad. He's really fucking just fed up with this movie at that point. Yes. And this is just him. Like, it, like it's his cathartic escape is just a monologue about how horrible it is there. Yeah, he. Uh, this is a movie about a guy going mad. That, yeah, that is really what yeah. this movie is about. Um, yeah, by the end of it, he's like, uh, the, I, if, I don't believe in the devil, but if I did, I would say he was here. Yeah. <laughs> he's haunting this movie. So many people have lost their lives. It, this is... This is not something that a man should do with his life, talking about filmmaking. No. He's like, I only make films because that's what I know how to do, and I can't do anything else, but this is not a way that a man should spend his life. Which is fair. <laughs> like, I guess, like, all right, like, I can't Think argue the, with that. The amount of doubts this guy is having yeah. right now. The is devil is here. The devil is here. I love it. Uh, uh, it's a great name for the documentary, too, because at the beginning of the movie, Verters talks about, you know, his dreams and how if this movie were to fall apart, that means that he would be a man without dreams. So he's not going to great line. But uh, yeah, essentially, this is a movie about the burden of having dreams, the burden of being Werner Herzog. You know, you try to make this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great line towards the end where he's talking about like his feelings towards Fitzcarraldo. It's like he's happy just for it to be done and for people to take it in and appreciate it. But by no means does he like the movie. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, I think he well, also says it's not worth it, which is a really interesting sort of and, and like a very humanistic revelation to have, because there are so many 
artists like Werner who have like this sort of unquenchable thirst for more for and blood for well in some cases <laughs> literally for blood yeah but there yeah there are a, a lot of guys like if given the money and resources would sort of use it to go on an ego trip much like what Werner went through here and a lot of people would call this an ego trip I think Nick would call this an ego trip I mean the fact that there's a documentary crew there at all right is somewhat evident of that I do think, though, like he does feel legitimate regret at the end of this. And he does say at one point, like, yeah, filmmaking isn't worth this. I, I, I want to push the bounds because there's something in me that makes me want to pull a 30 ton boat up a cliff. But I'm not exactly sure what that is. And I'm not sure if that desire is moral or just. Or worth it at all. It's just like, this is what I do. I make movies. And prob- probably someone should have stopped me at some point. Someone should have said, no, Werner, you're not allowed to do this. And they would have been right to do so. You know? And that's Although, what I kind of find refreshing. Some people try to stop him. Oh, some yeah. people did. But he kept going. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I guess if the authorities stopped him, that would have been better. No, well, there are no authorities in the Amazon. There's arrows. I guess that's true. <laughs> the arrow is the authority. <laughs> It's definitely a movie about a guy that just can't stop. Not even that, like, he questions it and considers, like, like stopping or anything. No, it's just, like, he doesn't have it in him to, to, to give up, which is very interesting. So it's fun to watch in that way and sort of captivating. But I also think this is one of those movies that I w- wish they would have shown more more kids. Like, like, when I took some film classes and whatnot, this is not the type of film that came up. Certainly for uh, film production classes, because movie making sucks. It's hard. Mm. It's it's frustrating and it's you know, you question yourself the entire way through. But um I think it's very important to have some perspective on the thing you're making. And <laughs> if you were to show most kids in film school this movie and you know, they're at home in their rooms trying to get a shot of a guy laying down on a bed and they're like, I can't do it. Right. I, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> it's like, why don't we watch Burden of Dreams? Yeah. So you sure you, you can't at least get a shot of a dude in a bed? I know. Okay, I guess I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be somewhat helpful. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the phrase, like, it's not rocket science. It's not pulling a ship up a mountain exactly. in the Amazon. <laughs> it's like, there's there's <laughs> filmmaking and then there's Werner's filmmaking. Right. <laughs> I think it's really telling, too, that he made movies like this for a couple decades, and then by the time the 90s come around in the early 2000s, he's just making art house documentaries. I do think, like, he kind of had his fill. He's kind of like, I, I literally can't do this anymore without killing myself. Mm. So I'm going to now still get my creative fix by, you know, doing docs, but, you know, I'm not going to push myself to the to the extent that I did here and I think for good reason I, th- I do think like at the end of this and I'm talking about burden of dreams now uh, Werner sort of woke up and was like yeah maybe I'm a little more mature I have a little more perspective maybe movie making shouldn't be life and death well this is the, the thing about the way he does it too is like you know it's not so much that it, it like he could have gone in a direction for filmmaking where it was easier yeah. it's just he like like i said he couldn't help himself yeah so it's like he was sort of his own worst enemy in this like you can you can make more of a straightforward contained drama but like it's not in it's Werner doesn't have that muscle in him he has to make it difficult he has to go and make it as challenging as humanly possible so he's it's almost as if he recognizes that and sort of tries to deal with the fact that you know what i'm not I'm not I'm not built to deal with myself at this age. Yeah. So I'm just going to do documentaries about this other stuff that is doable. Yeah. 
he views himself as a nuclear weapon that's too dangerous to be used. I mean, right. And maybe he's right. He is right. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Or maybe he's a bit of a loon. But my, my point is that it didn't <laughs> it didn't need to be this difficult. Like he could have very exactly. easily had gone on to like to uh, to make those very like straightforward dramas. And it wouldn't it probably wouldn't have been that hard on him. Yeah. But didn't most of this come about because he could have filmed in a different river but he wanted to film in that I river i kept thinking that the entire time like go like, over here you have the money cares. the resources to go over there it's not a big deal <laughs> it got me thinking a lot of synecdoche new york which mm. uh i don't think you've seen nick but adam and i talked about it on, on the other pod a little while ago and that's sort of a movie about the um the like the unattainable uh, idea of depicting reality as reality you know this uh, this like thin line between you know what is fiction and what is uh fact and you know what is the fictitious depiction of fact and it's um you know it, it stars philip seymour hoffman as like this filmmaker or i should know he's a playwright right yeah that that wants to uh, uh, write a play based on his own existence and he keeps going further and further and further with that idea so at first it's like this immersive thing I'm just gonna watch this character wake up and eat breakfast right oh but wait a minute what if instead of that the play was longer and longer and the sets got larger and larger what if I rebuilt my house on the stage oh what if I built my entire block on the stage what if i built the entire city of new york and just had it this entirely immersive experience so this idea that like you can just keep replicating and replicating and replicating life and somehow that's more valuable than a work of fiction yeah you know and like where do you you have to draw the line somewhere at some point you have to use movie magic to cut corners oh precisely and that's sort of what you know Werner's doing here it's like this is a movie about pulling a ship up up a cliff the best way to shoot this cinematically is to actually pull a ship up a cliff. But like at some point, like making movies, you're inherently doing something false. Like it, I suppose the best way to kill a guy on screen would be to actually shoot him in the head. But you can't do that in movies <laughs> right. without going to prison. So you use makeup and special effects. At what point here does Werner decide I'm going to cut corners and I'm not actually going to do the thing we're depicting? I kept saying, like, you, you can make this ship uh, out of balsa wood. Right. Like, that's something people have done in the past. Or, or maybe not even necessarily balsa wood. But my point is, it doesn't it have light. to be 30 tons. Yes. <laughs> right. You can make a, an exact replica lightweight ship. It's doable. And it will be perfectly convincing, guys. Yeah. We can also get into the ethics I don't know where I fall on this, but the ethics of, of actually hiring the natives to work in your movie. That's a good. He talks yeah. about like, oh, well, they're getting paid more to be in my movie than they would be otherwise. You know, oh, it's know, authentic. Yeah. You know, we're actually working with the authentic culture instead of trying to replicate the culture. Kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's better. I, I, I've definitely heard that argument and I can see it. I, I didn't find this documentary, at least, and I don't know about Fitzcarraldo, to be that exploitative, though. No, I'm not. not. Like, a lot of this was kind of like a National Geographic kind of like, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it's not exploitative. Thing. I didn't think that either. No. Like, it, it did uh, seem mean, like they had a lot of respect for the, the tribesmen and like they were very, you know, careful 
not to bring in American food, for example, not to cross contaminate too much, not to scare, you know, the people in this tribe, not to like mm-hmm. impede on their land or destroy their land. Um, you know? That's mostly at the threat of an arrow. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Certainly. it's not exploitative necessarily in terms of culture, but in terms of like labor. Sure. You know, because it was frankly, it was still cheaper to work with uh, the natives and there's probably less uh, insurance and security <laughs> issues well they kind of comment on that later on when they get to like the the part with the prostitutes which yeah you know, and also they, yeah i want to mention this they don't comment on like safety concerns in that part specifically or the resources available but it does get you thinking like oh god yeah because he, he even says like could i get away with this on a, a a shoot in europe or a shoot in the states absolutely not and then it's like well, what else are you getting away with right. <laughs> yeah so he literally says that he had to hire prostitutes from the amazon <laughs> because if he didn't then the men would go and rape and pillage yeah the crew members essentially like well the crew members might yeah i i, so, I don't know about rape and pillage but <laughs> yeah what would have at least pursued a lot of the women in, yeah. in the tribe yeah i don't i don't know what <laughs> eh, fair enough man i don't know fair enough Maybe we should work so. this into the budget a little more these days. Maybe Marvel Maybe should leave some Maybe don't hire a crew that's going to go rape random <laughs> tribal a, women. Do a background check. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, what? <laughs> what kind of argument is that? Uh, can we go back to the tribe thing for a second, though? Because I do think, like, it is a... You're right in that, you know, having the actual tribesmen in the movie sort of removes the argument that you are appropriating their culture in some way. You know, it's like it's like this whole idea right. that like, okay, can I cast a straight person to play a gay person in a movie? The answer now, the common answer now is no. You can't do that because like you're taking away the roles from like actual gay people and also Which like, is weird because that's like, the definition of acting. Right. They should be able to like tell their own stories is the argument now. Well that all sort of stems from the idea of like But that's not face. acting. Yeah, I, I get acting it, is taking on the role of someone else. I that, don't know. I agree with you, but I'm just saying, like that is the <laughs> that is the argument now, and it all stems from this idea of like because blackface is offensive, like you shouldn't like you know paint your skin a different color. But that's because well, it has, obviously, like, yeah. But that also has like racist origins and like minstrel shows and whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm but going play, down a rabbit I, hole. <sighs> yeah. All right. Fine. What? No, no we'll get into this. I want to get into this. Go ahead. Let's get into it. What? I was going to say, playing a gay person doesn't mean you actually have to fucking have anal sex with another dude. I mean, you can just play a gay person without, you know, obviously playing a black person is different. Uh, well, why is it different? It, because if you actually put on the makeup, that's different. Now, if you're playing a character who could be black or could be white or could be Asian, it shouldn't matter who plays them. Well, they if do the do that. Me- they do do that in a little film called Cloud Atlas. They well, that that's purposeful. <laughs> well, but but that's but so what? The, the, yeah, the, it kind of goes to show like if you if you're careful with your story, if you have the idea that sort of services these concepts, then maybe it doesn't matter. You, the, my point is, they can still get away with it if they're smart enough, right? I, well, I, I mean, support the I support the idea that if you can find the right person who actually belongs to that, I don't know group or culture or whatever you want whatever it is in this in the scenario better hire them than someone else but at the Mm -hmm. end of the day you want to hire someone because they can act 
Yeah, do you only hire firefighters to play firefighters? You know, like at what point? And I, no, I don't but mean that if, as, but if Steve Buscemi is a potential person to hire, he is a volunteer firefighter. He might know something. So like, it's not a bad idea. And Steve Buscemi did play a firefighter in the aforementioned Judd Apatow film. Uh, King is That's Dan my Island. like. Yeah. If you can get somebody yeah, who yeah. fits that role, yes. Like if you're trying to have a if, if if the movie has a gay character and you can find a gay actor to play that character, great. And that is probably better. Well, there's but, certainly no shortage of gay actors. Right. In the world. But that that being said, <laughs> should be a problem. <laughs> that being said, though, if someone else is better for the role for other reasons, like you don't have to lock yourself into this rigid structure. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. No. And That's I don't true. I don't mean that like. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't mean to be sarcastic or demeaning when I say that. Like, should a, a firefighter should only firefighters play firefighters? I'm legitimately asking the question: like, where does one's personal identity stop, and where does like, uh, where where and what is fair game for like representation on screen? So, like, well, is sexual actor. orientation where it stops? Is race where it stops? Is sexual identity where it stops? Like, where where do, does does hair color is that where it's like where it, exactly does your identity well stop? it depends on the role right if the, if your character is a red-headed person it's better to get somebody who actually has red hair yeah but maybe not though but if somebody if there was a if there was a brunette that dyed her hair red for a role i don't think anyone would complain well about it depends it, right? if it, it depends i mean it depends like, if it's gonna look believable <laughs> We're not we'll, down we'll that slippery slope yet, but we could get there. Like, I think, like, the yeah. girl that played Maria in the new West Side Story is not actually Puerto Rican. I think she's, like, Cuban. Okay. But but she got cast as a Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. So is that idea, okay? Well, I think the idea is as long as it doesn't, like, interrupt your suspension of disbelief or whatever. As long as it can is keep it that, you in the movie. Though? Is it that? Is it suspension of disbelief? Be. Or is it? It should be. Because I think it's more of a more uh, those advocating for this worldview are making a moral argument. You know what? What? Why do movies? So like, so like, for example, so like, (laughs) (laughs) it's a movie. Yeah. My point is, Burn of Dreams uses the actual natives. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. It's better than fucking, I don't know. Judd Hirsch in Redface playing some of these characters, right? But does, and does it, it doesn't does it go as far as like Terror of Tiny Town? Or we, I mean, we've even had some contentious debate on whether or not Terror of Tiny Town was a good idea or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, point being, I think it's kind of cool in some respects that Werner tries to mimic reality as close as possible, and I think it's also kind of a slippery slope when, literally speaking, when he it um, is. when he doesn't. <laughs> yeah uh, but uh yeah i don't know hiring the uh prostitutes that was probably a step too far too far <laughs> probably a step too far sure yeah uh that being said though you watch how this doc how this movie is made and you watch them pulling that ship up the 30 ton ship at a 40 degree angle because Werner insisted on it didn't one of the guys that built the rig was like this can handle a 20 degree angle and Werner's like no I want 40 yeah exactly I'm gonna <laughs> push the laws of physics right yeah. uh, insist on all that and you're watching it and you're like you know man this is so much better than a green screen in fucking Atlanta you know and the idea that like Marvel gets all this credit for the scope of their films and all this stuff that they wrangle oh, in okay. and it's like, like it's just Give me a fucking break. We're not. You know? ar- well, no, but this is the thing. We're not arguing that like like uh, like a like, no one's arguing that like a green screen is better than what 
Werner is doing. I mean, clearly what he's doing is 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 more impressive. But even still, like like my my argument is just that like yeah, you can do it for real, but you don't have to do it literally this real, hmm. and <laughs> that you don't need to literally pull the the thirty ton thing up 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 a hill like that. So yeah, there's there's it it's my my point is always like like when in, in instances like this like unless it's cgi like the audience doesn't notice man they don't fucking notice this kind of thing they don't they frankly, didn't build the death star it was no. a little model and frankly <laughs> audiences don't fucking care right this is the thing like we care, care. Either, we care though. they don't really care about cgi that's, either that's the pro- yes you know what i mean so well, it's like the only reason do people anything. don't like cgi is because a lot of cgi looks bad yeah, you well, know, I'm it not looks sure that, good. Yes, it looks bad to us. I'm like, but I just saw a whole Twitter thread about the new Spider-Man, and, oh, like Lord. about the cinematography and the lighting, particularly in some of those sequences, and like it was pretty convincing. Like there is no technical efficiency to this. Like everybody, you know, talks about how like well oiled the Marvel machine is, and that might be true on like a script level and an acting level and a marketing level, mm-hmm. but. In terms of cinematographers and craftspeople, like they usually hire the bottom of the barrel for that shit. And you look at the lighting in something like the new Spider-Man movie, which is one of the biggest movies that has ever been released in the history of mankind. And it's like, this is just shoddy. This is shoddy craftsmanship. It's cheap. It's It's fucking cheap cheap, and it looks bad. And people don't care. The truth is people don't care. Yeah, that's we the problem. We care, but people don't. <laughs> so the question you have to ask yourself is, are you making it for the average consumer, in which case you can just film in Atlanta with office lights and a fucking green screen, or you can do what Werner does and you can do it for the fans. And I guarantee you, yes, you're right. Can you tell if the ship is made out of balsa wood or steel? No, no. you can't tell. But I'm sure Werner is going in there frame by frame and is like, look at the beads of sweat coming off of that native as he's twisting the pulley system. <laughs> yes. Look at the way that the dirt sort of, you know, falls out of the way. Like you would not get this same effect if you didn't do it 100 percent real, you know? I don't know if that's true, but he would say that he would say that, but he'd be wrong. So <laughs> that's the problem. But I, but I don't know. You make a movie. You make a movie with the goal of instilling a single emotion in the pe- person mm. watching it, right? That's the goal at the end of the day is you want to make them feel or think something. Yeah. Uh, the lighting and the uh, the camera work and all the things may not necessarily matter to achieving that goal in some movies. Yeah, but they should. I mean, like the Spider-Man. Not always. They could. Yeah. And when they do, they should. Well, that's when one they of those... do matter. You should focus on it. But in the Spider-Man movie, like first off, what, what was the point? The point was <laughs> to bring back Toby and to kill Aunt May. Right. That was the point of the fucking movie. Spoiler. Uh, that was the point. Those the emotions were nostalgia and uh, like growing up. Yeah. Right. It was. It was. That was the notes they wanted to hit. And if the lighting was a little off, doesn't fucking matter. All that matters is that they get Toby's face in the fucking shot. Yeah, but like you're there though. You got to hire a cinematographer. Yeah, you might as well get it right. Well, you that's know? that's so, the some movies matter more than me, others though. for what they're trying to for their craft for what they're trying to tell. Yeah, I just I don't, I'm just saying I don't think Spider Man needs to do that to achieve their goal. And I, I suppose too, like like to to this point, I, I think people have already kind of moved on from the, the Spider Man Far From Home. Mm. 
Uh, some haven't, some haven't. There's a lot I, of I, nerds on Facebook that I see, you know. Yeah, but those are not the majority of the people that saw the movie. Yeah. There, there are far more people who saw the movie that are not Spider-Man fans than those who are. That's sure. My, that's my point. But to the people that the movie caters to, lighting means nothing. Yes. yes. But they, the, the, the thing about that, though, is that they don't really know how important it is until someone like shows them examples there's this wonderful video by the way of roger deakins explaining why like he was doing this interview and this guy had a camera set up and it was on a long lens and he literally stops the interview and he's like what are you doing yeah. that, that that no like i would never do that he, like you're, you're, you're supposed to be like you're right there talking to me let me show you something and he changes to like a 23 or something like that like like that like that kind of lens and he puts it in between in between the interviewer and him to do a single. And he's like, now doesn't that feel like you're actually here? Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's in a different emotional response. That's where you're placing your audience. That's what you want, guy. Yeah. It's well, the- so that's my point, though, is when it matters, you should focus on it. Yeah. Right? But, the, but my, 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 and that's the thing. Like, people don't necessarily understand how important it actually is. Same with lighting, though. Lighting, right. you know, just, just as much, frankly. So. It's one of those things that you don't realize it until it's gone, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's but but my I, I guess back back to my point and back to this movie is does that trail of sand and the bead of sweat on the native for this one scene actually help achieve the goal that the movie Fitzcarraldo is trying to achieve? I think yeah, I think it does. Sure. I no, I think it does. I think, I think it, it, it's a movie about scope and it's a movie about like of course I haven't seen it, but I, I imagine it's a movie about, about scope like, and struggle and Yeah, man's a, a quest for an unattainable goal and right. Yeah, maybe and as, as Werner said, like trying to fight nature. Yeah. Oh it it it, it the it helps for sure. It's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that it doesn't help. I didn't I w I would never argue that it doesn't make for a wonderful piece, but there's also a question you have to ask as to whether or not it was totally necessary. Because you yeah. know, that is film. The entire thing is trickery. So you right. could argue, yeah, you could have gotten the exact same beat of sweat, but maybe it was spritzed on there and they waited for it to fall in just the right way. You have the time to do something like that. Yeah, you could go to the Statue of Liberty or you could put yeah. the Statue of Liberty behind you on a green screen. You, you could do that. Fight a yeah. fucking I wouldn't do that. It, yeah. You know, and a, and a yeah. So, I mean, you could you but you could say that's what my sort of point is like you have to draw the line somewhere. somewhere yeah, I you got to draw it somewhere. And I think what we could agree on is that Disney nor Werner has drawn the line in the appropriate spot. Yes, right? I agree. Yeah. Someone has to put the line in the right spot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, neither one has. <laughs> Werner, dude. But to your point, though, Nico, one clearly uh, has the better result. I will say yes. That. One definitely well, has the better result. I, I don't depends know. On, it I don't depends know. on your metric. Yeah, what's your metric Box of office. better? I guess that's <laughs> five people dead. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's is that a better result? Sure. Yeah, you know, you know what? You know, yes, <laughs> five people dead. Also, Ver- like, Werner would say no. Werner also, would like, say Spider-Man: No Way Home is a more worthwhile worthwhile venture than yeah. Yeah, who who the fuck's really heard of Fitzgeraldo? Like, <laughs> no, not not many people. Right. You know. But it's but it's a better movie than No Way Home. Maybe I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> that that no, I'm just talking about the the final result here. I'm not talking about uh, the, the final result on screen. Yeah, I'm not ta- I'm not talking about the endeavor itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Another cool thing about this doc, I just had like a couple little notes here. Behind the scenes documentaries are cool because you watch often like scenes that are in the final cut 
in this sort of unbroken, you know, breaking of the fourth wall angle where you're, you're behind the crew and you'll watch a scene sort of just play out without all of the trickery of cinema, like without any score, without any like, uh, like sexy cuts. Like you could just watch a scene play out as if it's a play. And that's another reason why I think you should probably show it in film school is like, you know, show some of the scenes of, of Klaus Kinski in the jungle. I love it so much. And then, yeah. and then show it, you know, in the final version of Fitzcarraldo and what exactly goes into making a movie in post-production? You know, what you get through perspective, what you get through editing. Like, I always found that very cool. Because when you watch a behind-the-scenes documentary and you watch some of the scenes, it, like, it looks fucking boring. It is boring. It's boring you as be- shit. You beat me to it. I wanted to comment. Just, like, one of, the th- one of the things this movie does so very well was just show how fucking boring filmmaking is. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and all, I mean, all the scenes look really boring until you put the layer of movie magic exactly. on top of it. Yep. Uh, that's what I was kind of stunned by through most of it is like, oh, man, this looks really tedious and dull. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of thrills in this doc, too. But, yeah, most of it is just you're sitting around and repeating the same line over and over again. You're walking off of a boat and the, the, the actor gets caught in the mud. and the, the fucking canoes and just having them like paddle up to the boat right at the golden hour. Yeah. And then they miss it and then they got to go the next day. Mm-hmm. And then they're just sitting in the boats for literally hours waiting for the sun to go down until they can do exactly one shot. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for all like the big set pieces, there's a lot of moments like that too. And it's yep. like, is this even going to look that good? That's another moment you're on set and you're like, do we really need this insert? Do we really like, couldn't we cut around it story wise? And that is the job of a director too. And why I imagine it would yep. drive you mad is that you have to fight for every little yep. moment on set. Yep. And you have to convince yourself that it's worthwhile, even if that take ends up on the cutting room floor. But you, it's not just yourself. I mean, usually, usually the director is pretty convinced. You know, he has no idea if it's going to work, but he's convinced of himself as that that this is what we need to do. The trick is convincing 200 people that it's yeah. the correct decision. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's a nut job. Yes, he is. Total nut job. But I love him. <laughs> uh, how about the scene where they're like on the boat and they're they're crashing the boat into the 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 rock into the shore so in the movie it's harrowing and i'm watching it and i'm just like they're actually like fucking this shit up and in real life it's harrowing they're they're throwing it down a river but like how are they doing this because this is like the most dangerous thing i've ever seen in my life and they're actually just banging a ship against the rocks (laughs) and And you got yelling verner's yelling klaus klaus Klaus! (laughs) no klaus it's klaus (laughs) stay here klaus get down klaus (laughs) (laughs) the cinematographer gashes open his skull You have to have like reconstructive surgery it's on his head. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. It's Klaus. Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And then you look at the ship afterwards, and it's just massive dents in it. And yeah, like, there's no way move. you can take this into the water ever again. <laughs> just, I love. I love the part where they're like, one of the ships runs aground, and they're like, I guess we'll go shoot at the other ship now. <laughs> we'll just wait for the river to get higher. <laughs> It's the strangest. Uh, I, I just don't think it's worth it. Uh, no, probably no. And this is the the ultimate point about the th- the whole film that I, I you know I, we've kind of already talked about it, but like just the 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 ultimate question of like is this really worth it for a movie? And the answer is probably no. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, it's it happened. So we have to contend with it. It did happen. You know, it's funny. I'm reading the behind the scenes on Fury Road right now. And I do have similar feelings on that where it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it was was. Was it worth George Miller? He's probably that the fact that he's probably going to be dead by eighty now because he made Fury Road. You know, pro- probably isn't. But goddamn, what it, do you mean? At, Why look at look at Fury? The behind the scenes on that movie are fucking disastrous, bro. <laughs> it's like like that. That is another like all timer fucked up production. Like uh, it's going to age him, or like like, like yeah yeah. I'm, I'm just making a joke. Like okay, it aged him. It aged him so met. bad. It's not. It's like, not what, like did, on, he, did he drink toxic chemicals on the no, set? I was like, gonna, <laughs> it's not like it's not like Andre Tarkovsky where he made Stalker and then he died like two years later because of radiation. <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. My favorite movie by Tarkovsky, by the way. Again, a movie like is it worth it? No, <laughs> but it's like an amazing film. <laughs> yeah. No. Is art is not worth it. I mean, that's really the bottom line. But we do it. Cause, we do because we're human. Because we're human. That's we're what human. humans do. And maybe that's the distinction between us and the machines when the machines are making the movies. Is that they're not going to put themselves through this kind of shit. You're going to put me on the low and behold the uh, tangent there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. That's what yeah. separates us from the machines. Yeah. I like do it. they listen to Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Verner's the man. Come <laughs> he's on, a whack man. Job. Fucking, he's, he's a fucking whack he's job. He's a boy. Have you seen the clip of him getting interviewed by Mark Kermode and then he literally gets shot in the gut? <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> There's a clip on YouTube. He's being interviewed by Mark Kermode in like LA or something. And then during the interview, <laughs> some guy comes up with a like a, a high power BB gun, shoots him in like like the, the like the pancreas or something like that. And then they go back to a hotel and they he pulls up his 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 shirt and it's like it's like right by his crotch and it's like really ugh. It's 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 quite revealing, but he's got like a bullet wound. It's like inside of him, and then Mark Kermode's like, "You just got shot," and Werner's like, "It's not significant." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, he's play. entertaining, sure, but he's a fucking uh, whack job. <laughs> he is a whack job. Yes, yes, yes. You he's a play lunatic. That That's a great clip. <laughs> uh, let me look that up. That is a because it's just like like the stories of this guy. It's ugh, he really is something else. I had a friend that told me a story recently about he got, how he got shot by a BB gun. But he he phrased it to me like, did I not tell you the time that I got shot? Yeah. I don't think it counts. Does a BB gun count as getting shot? In a no. sense. In a sense. No. But, but for, for, I've been no. shot by a BB gun point blank. It hurts. Uh, it's not the same thing as getting shot with a bullet. No, no, yeah, no. I'm just going to say said. that right now. That's what I said. My friend said to me the other day, he's like, yeah, I, there was, yeah, I, I, I was mean, uh, walking down the street and there was a drive-by shooting. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's that. No, and I got no, shot. No. And I go, what? That's like the most interesting thing about you by a mile. Why have you not brought this up to me no, before? No, that, that's, and he's like, yeah, it was a BB gun. I go, all right, that was fucking false advertising right there. That's not yeah. the same thing whatsoever. You got no, you shouldn't boo-boo. have to tell people that you got shot. It should be on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go, Werner. Go right before it, yeah. Werner getting shot. Uh, I've somehow left the paved road. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about my films. For example, what's... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> we quickly realized that some wacko had taken a pot shot at us with an air rifle, and Herzog had been hit. So this, ju- sorry, this literally sh- just happened when we were standing outside there. Oh, there. I have seen this. That's and there was a noise, and it was a whiz, and you just said, I've been shot. You had, look, you're yeah, bleeding. Yeah. I oh. think here somewhere, yeah. Look, you... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a somebody sh shot at you and created a wound in your abdomen. It's not not significant. <laughs> the scariest thing about that is that when he reveals the bullet wound, it's hard. <laughs> the bullet wound. I don't know about that, but oh, God, I love it. It just what was that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it doesn't react at all. <laughs> Uh, I love this man. He's he's the greatest. I love him so much. All right. Any other thoughts on Burden of Dreams? You need to watch this. It's on the Criterion yeah, channel if very, you have a subscription yeah, to that service. Good. You know, arguably could be even better than Fitzcarraldo. That's the ironic. That's what a lot of people yeah, say. It might be better than Fitzcarraldo. A lot of people say Burden of Dreams is better than Fitzcarraldo and Hearts of Darkness is better than Apocalypse Now. A lot of people uh, make that argument. <laughs> I think there's a reason that Werner makes documentaries now, too. I think he's yeah. better at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Port of Call New Orleans is a hell of a movie, though. Yeah, well, that's a hell of a movie. How dare you yeah. <laughs> slander the good name of Port of Call New Orleans? What's with uh, these fucking lizards? <laughs> Let's play a game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> to to I, I I wanted to mention before we continue on the on the subject of suffering for your art. Last um last I guess it was last week at this point we did that podcast on the Batman review. That's right. Yeah, I drove home and I got rear-ended. Did you? I wanted to say that. Yes. Yeah. I forgot to mention I got rear-ended. Well, Adam, you're really putting the was, hours. It was into yeah yeah that's right. I got the neck was broken and everything. It so, was just um, it was the the. I was going to say, did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. A little, 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 little bump there. Yeah, no, the, the health, the, the, the too many thoughts, health insurance, it was just, it didn't, didn't come through guys. Not at all. What kind of car hit you? It was a high deductible. It was, uh, it was a big ass truck. It was, I, it was a company car. It was a guy's company car. So, uh. You should sue the company. <laughs> well, we, we've already figured this out, so uh, I'm all set. But, um. Uh. Get yeah, a nice little down. paycheck. Get a nice little paycheck. Out no, of it. I mean sort of, but it's, nice it's, it's, it's just it's just covering the damage. I didn't. Yeah, but you're not gonna repair it. <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't have to. But of course you don't. No, yeah, they're, they're, it's gonna get repaired. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so that's what that's what happens. Yeah. You should. It's what you, it's what you sacrifice for your art, man. I drove here. I knew something. I just felt it in in the air. That's what you sacrifice. Yeah. For your art, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. How many did you carry? Let's go with uh, who? Mick Jagger? Mick <laughs> Klaus? Yeah, sure. Nah. I like Mick Jagger. You want to do Mick Jagger? Yeah. I don't think we've ever done Mick Jagger. I imagine we haven't. Have we ever done a Mick Jagger movie? Uh, I don't think so. We have with performance. Performance, which is a very good movie. Very good movie. Yeah. That movie Sting. rules. <laughs> yeah, we did do Sting. All right. Mick. Mick Jagger. Uh pretty famous guy very famous. <laughs> he's uh famous. pretty well known yeah he's probably made a decent chunk of pocket change in his time i would assume he's worth a little bit more just a little bit more than drew carey drew carey's worth 190 million dollars the question is how many drew carries to get to one mick jagger i imagine it's a couple what do you think nick i'll say four okay 760 760 million okay. 760 it's a lot of money Going kind of around there. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go go higher and just round <laughs> it up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put him at a billion. 
A billion dollars? I'll put him at a billion. The Rolling Stones? If, if Mick Jagger was a billionaire, I think we would have heard. I think we would have heard. He's at least close. I, that's that, that, that's my sense. I, I bet mean, you okay. every fucking car commercial has a Rolling Stones song with it. I thought I was picking the high number here, though. No. I'm just, no, I I'm mean, just shocked that you went higher. I mean, think think about how many times you hear fucking like like "Give Me Shelter" played on any any movie, any commercial, it, every it, everywhere. Any scene everywhere. in Vietnam yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as "Give Me Shelter." <laughs> Jeez, Louise, how many Rolling Stone shirts do you see? It's crazy. That's true, there's crazy. shirts everywhere. The kids don't even know what the logo is. No. They're wearing the shirt. <laughs> shirts make a lot of money. Clothing makes a lot of money. Come on, come on. Satisfaction that riff is in fucking everything. Yeah. Let me ask a stupid question. Is there any relationship between the magazine and the band? No. Like, how did that happen? How is everybody just like cool with them having the same name? Total coincidence. I'm not sure which was first. I imagine the magazine was first. Why why are why are we all okay with this? Why are we not up in arms? Let me see when Rolling Stone <laughs> was founded. Uh nineteen sixty seven. Okay. The Stones must have been around the same time. They were. Yeah, I'm almost positive. They should they they should slip in some sort of legislation around this in the in the gas tax bill or whatever they try to pass. They need to uh, fix this. We need to. Yeah. Uh, Both Rolling Stone magazine and the band Rolling Stones uh, named themselves after the song Rolling Stone by Muddy Waters. Uh. Rolling Stone magazine was 1967. Rolling Stones, the band 1962. Uh. So the band got there first. Sweet. Uh, when was Bob Dylan's like a Rolling Stone? That's what I was wondering. Probably 70s, right? Or was it earlier, you think? Mm. I think it was probably 60s. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was still early period, I think. Yeah, 65. Okay. So Smack stab that. in between. Wow. So, so the Stones. Within a, within a five-year period, yeah. three major yeah. <laughs> hacks. When did, the, when did the Muddy Water song come out? 50, 1950. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, Bob Dylan, no creativity. That Bob Dylan, yeah, that fucking <laughs> what a hack. hack. <laughs> uh, I'll go on the lower side just to keep it competitive, but I do think that it's going to be pretty high. Uh, I'll say three. Okay, I'll say three. Uh, Drews to get to a Mick. All right, so to get to like a Mick. Five seventy. Five, yeah, five seventy. Yeah, yeah, okay. you might be right. Here we go. Right, five seventy, actual... seven sixty, and one billion. Do we want the net worth in pounds or dollars? Uh, dollars. Well, that would definitely throw things off for our sanity. All right, we'll go with dollars. The actual net worth of Sir Michael mm. Philip Jagger. I did not know he was a sir. Me neither. Yeah. He was knighted. Wow. Man. Actual net worth of Mick Jagger. Half a billion dollars. That means I just won this week's edition of How Many Drew Carey. Yeah, see, I definitely thought I was pushing the high end there. Damn, Adam. I was close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Still a lot of fucking money. It is a lot of money. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. For one of the most hideous men to ever walk to face the planet. Now, anyway. I guess the idea was... Like ever! When he was, a, when he was younger, he was, he was a bit of a heartthrob, right? It certainly was. I don't understand it, though. <laughs> you yeah, I'm see looking at young photos of him. You don't I haven't really seen him young. He is he looks, uh, not very I mean, attractive. Yeah, no. obviously he was, you know, he's had more sex than maybe any man in history. But no, I I, I think a hideous man objectively. No, probably. 
He's but, got a, he's got a hell hell of a look. But he's kind of like Pete Davidson, kind of same same vibe, same sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Pete Davidson, the used dish towel, D- Pete Davidson. As uh, I like to call him. <laughs> All right, uh, we will be back next week. More documentaries. Are we going to do another behind the scenes? I think next week we're going to do uh, Hearts of Darkness, which I think might be even crazier than this one. Think probably yeah it might be even crazier talking about the behind the scenes of Apocalypse Now. Nick, have you seen Apocalypse Now? I don't think I have. I know I'm giving you a lot of homework this week, but you should really see Apocalypse Now before Hearts of Darkness, unless you want to pull a Larry King and uh, <laughs> remain objective. I, I, I wouldn't want it to. Yeah, I wouldn't want it to color my. Would he uh, like Apocalypse Now? I don't know. I don't know. I think you would. I don't know. Marlon Brando, Martin Sheen. It's a Robert Duvall, Dennis Hopper. I don't know if any of these people are really that famous. Lawrence Fishburne. I don't know. <laughs> was this Coppola? Who's, yeah. a, who's this Coppola guy? produced? Yeah, I don't know. This doesn't sound very good <laughs> on its face. I always forget that Harrison Ford's in that too. Harrison Ford is in it for like thirty seconds. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. What is it about war? <laughs> That's about here. About an apocalypse? What's going on? Mm. Oh, that guy's underwater. Okay, there's some water. So it's not. It's not Waterworld. I can no. confirm it's not Waterworld. A lot of water in the movie. There, yeah, there's quite. They're on a lot of rivers. Of water. Oh, okay. Quite a lot of jungle in this one. Too. A lot of yeah. jungle in that one as well. A lot of yeah, yeah. Some bullets, some helicopters. So this is definitely like a lot of chaos. It's a movie about shooting, as they say. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, yeah, you should you should watch that. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> Dude, I watched a little bit of it a couple weeks ago. It was on TV, and I'm like, holy fucking shit! This is the best thing ever made. Like, it's so fucking good, yeah, it's dude. A great film. It's so good. Such a trip, literally. You forget. You really do forget how good it is. You know? Yeah, I know. It's not one of those movies you're you're like in the mood for all the time. That's the thing. Like, it's it's hard to rewatch is the yeah. problem. But like, if you sit down, turn the lights off crank the sound like it's one of like the most overwhelming experiences oh yeah i mean it's so good Mm. the fucking duvall scene like there's just like bullet fire and helicopters (laughs) going on like you can barely hear him and all the while the guy wants to go surf and yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's the best they're going surfing (laughs) the fucking waves there's literally bombs going off (laughs) it is out of its fucking mind (laughs) it's so great yeah Uh, Yeah, uh, Hearts of Darkness coming next week. Until then, you've been so very, very naughty. (laughs) Uh, Naughty. Naughty.